Thank you for joining us on Warrior Women Speak. I'm Judge Rosemary Aquilina, author of Just Watch Me, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sherry Botwin, LCSW, social worker and trauma specialist and author of Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing. We have created this podcast for your enjoyment and so that we all can talk about our issues and learn together about how to deal with trauma and those things that spring up in our everyday life. Please join us for every episode and let us know what you want to talk about. Now for the show. I'm so glad to be back again with two amazing people. Our amazing guest was was gracious enough to stay with us for another segment of Warrior Women Speaks. We have with us today the amazing, beautiful, adorable, I just want to give her a hug, Judy Rabiner, author of The Girl in the Red Boots. And of course, my, um, my partner in crime who's sitting across the screen from me, Judge Aquilina. So we, we really wanted to make sure that we covered many different aspects of what it means to be a mom, to, to think about the relationship that we have with our own mothers. And we're just a day after Mother's Day. And we wanted to come back today, partly because we know it can be a difficult day for people, but also now to move forward and talk more about how do we come to terms with the relationship we had or have with our moms? And how do we tend to that part of us that felt whether it was rejected, abandoned, unheard, or even for those of you who love and miss your moms, come to terms with the fact that the mom that you had is no longer here to come visit you at the hospital to take care of your kids. So that's gonna be the focus today. and. I'm curious, Judy, I, because I know that you do many of these shows and you've been out there. I think it's been, didn't your book come out May 4th, 2021? Yes, my book is now had a first birthday already. Oh, yep. I wanted to say happy birthday. I have a thing with dates. So I still remember your post last year. You were getting so excited. So it's very timely that we have you on our show today very, too, because yes. you're in the first week of your second year of your another baby's life because this is your baby too i'm sure this is so, baby number three right so i'm curious you we talked a lot yesterday about our relationships with our moms coming to terms with the relationship we had versus the relationship we have and something that stood out to me which sadly i i cannot relate to and i think many people out here understand this when you talk about how as parents, when we make mistakes, when we mess up, when we inadvertently, or on some cases, on, not on purpose, but with, with more consciousness, hurt our children. And that part of us that's longing for our parents to take responsibility, to take ownership, that's something that I have not experienced. You, you're, you're both talking today, some up or yesterday about that. And when, when you were both exchanging stories about that, I was sitting here feeling some stuff about that and thinking about all of us out here who don't get that, who don't have that. And I'm curious how, what advice you would have for us and also 
how we can come to terms with that and still be able to take care of and mom the part of ourselves that never had and never will have that. Well, you know, you're, you're really talking about how can we mother ourselves? Mm -hmm. uh, nobody had a perfect mother and there were always things that were left out. And this is what I mean by insight. We know that hanging on to anger and hanging on to resentment is not really good for us. It just wears us out. But how can we really be compassionate to ourselves? So let me take the case that you just gave, Rose. You know, you told me a story about you being driven off in the car and that little five-year-old girl who was being driven away from your grandparents can still get activated now when something happens. I mean, you were really abandoned and dropped and deceived. I mean, these are all giant concepts. And so when, and I talked about um, yesterday on our show about things that happened to me as a child. So when this wounded part of us gets activated, I bet the three of us can all identify a wounded part of us, right? And I'm assuming everybody in the listening audience has a memory of a time in your life when you were really miserable. You got dropped by a boyfriend. Your parents screamed at you unnecessarily. Maybe your husband left you. Maybe your kid said something really hateful to you. And so how do we um, take care of ourselves? And I've been studying the work of Kristen Neff and she's the self-compassion self guru. And she has a process that she recommends we memorize. And I'm emphasizing the word memorize because it feels so hard to do. And so if you think about this moment of suffering, are you able to say to yourself, this is a moment of suffering? And you might wanna put your hand on your chest or on your forehead, because suffering, it's, it's mind and body. This is a moment of suffering. And I love that phrase, this is a moment of suffering, because moment means it is a moment. It's not your whole life. It's a moment of suffering. And that's part one. And then how do you say to yourself, suffering is part of life. Suffering is part of life. Into each life, into every life, some rain shall fall. I never met a person who didn't have some things in life that felt really difficult, really hard. I know life isn't fair. Some people have worse lives than others. That's true. But suffering is a part of life. And the third thing to say is, may I be kind to myself? And the way to really think about that is what would you do with a friend? If a friend told you a story, if I was with you, Rose, I would wanna put my arms around you when you told me that story. I know some of your stories, Shari. I would want to put my arms around you. If I saw you standing in the rain, shivering, I'd wanna take my coat off and give it to you and get you a big umbrella. Can we do those things for ourselves? Can we say, may I be kind to myself? 
And the last thing is, may I give myself the compassion I need? May I give myself the compassion I need? And I love this. It's like a mantra. It's like an affirmation, right? I mean, we all do things every day. We speak a little harshly at a child, at a spouse, at somebody. People get on our nerves. Who hasn't felt like screaming at the person on the other end of the line when you know, you're know you talking to somebody from Apple or Verizon or an insurance company or somebody who is not getting your problem and they're holding you up and you have things you have to do. So we do things that are wrong and how can we have compassion for ourselves? So this is where I'm at in my life, knowing that making peace is an internal job. It has nothing to do with changing other people. I couldn't change my mother or my father or my ex-husband, and you can't change any of those people in your life either. And we can't change our kids. I think that's brilliant because it really is a foundation. It's a formula, a recipe. It's a recipe. Yeah. Of how to get in touch with your emotions and how to take time to stop and feel what you're feeling and acknowledge it and name it and say, it's okay. And I can cope with it. And that whole thing we were ended on uh, yesterday, which is tomorrow is another day and we can do better and move forward because this thing will not define us or hold us back. That's right. And even if we've now wasted many years being angry, being resentful, being vindictive, we can say, I did the best I could do, which is probably true. I did the best I could do with what I had then. And now I have more. Now I have more tools. I have more strategies. I know that being kind to myself can change my life. And it can, it can change our lives to just be kind to ourselves, to think about what you would do for somebody else. Can you do it for yourself? And I think when you say that, I think it can actually save our lives. I think all the people I meet, all these um, different men and women that come into my office trying to come to terms with different traumas they've been through, abuse they've suffered. I think the key for most of us is when we can be compassionate and kind to ourselves, that's what will help us stay here and not just stay here and survive, but actually live the life that we want to live. That's the key to being able to give more to our friends and our partners and our kids. The more we love ourselves, the more we mom ourselves, the more love we have to give to others. Yeah, we have to learn how to parent ourselves and give ourselves all the things we never received And then understand that self-care is important and self-care is not defined by spoiling ourselves. It's not something extraordinary. It's just doing something that makes us feel good about ourselves and that we are worthy to be here and to be who we are without any adjustments. And it can be something really small. It doesn't mean that you have to go to Hawaii and, or you have to change your hair color unless you want to. You know, it's really about um, not spoiling yourself, but uh, acknowledging yourself. Right. And being kind to yourself. And for anybody listening, it's Kristen Neff, N-E-F-F, Ph.D. She's a brilliant researcher. And she came across this concept. I don't know how she's popularized it, but she has. 
because this was not something we learned about in graduate school, right, no, Sherry? I never, I never heard of her. This is like, I, I mean, know this, this is something that I want to post on yeah. my wall. I think know? I posted this on Facebook um, when I started reading it. Yeah. And when I started thinking about it and when I started thinking about why is it so hard for me to just be kind and gentle with myself? It doesn't do any good to blame other people. It doesn't matter if my husband yelled at me. How, what am I going to do? How, how can how, I feel good about myself? Right? Think, yeah. And I think that's something that happens is that people are so quick to put the blame on others and hold resentment and anger towards other people. And I think when we stay in that spot, then what happens is, is we're sort of stuck in the negative feelings. And when you're in those negative feelings, you're not going to be as open to receiving kindness and love from others. So I think you have to be able to make space. I think it's so important. And it's something that I think a lot, a lot of people struggle with, um, especially when, again, they're activated or triggered or on days like yesterday, that can be very difficult for some people. Well, you know what you're talking about, the um, blame, it, the struggle, I think it's really convenient and it's really easy for people to blame all of our faults on our mother or father or something that happened. Um, but the bottom line is, I don't think that's exactly truthful because we all have a choice. We just have to make the choice to look at the good, to want to learn why we're doing the things we are doing or why they did the things they're doing and make a choice to heal and get better. And if we need help doing that, there's no shame in that, but doing the self-care, being kind to yourself, that doesn't cost you anything. Right. What about the idea of also taking in those loving, amazing, nurturing feelings from others. That's something that we were talking about right before we started recording. I find one of the best things in life, one of my favorite things about being alive is just being able to be present with the people that I'm close to, my kid who I could eat. I love him so much. I feel so nurtured when I wrap my arms around him. I feel nurtured in, in the love that I feel for him when I'm with one of my very good friends last week and we're sitting in the theater and we weren't even talking, but at one point we just grabbed a hold of each other's hands because we were so happy to be back on Broadway. This is for me, and I know this is hard for people, especially people who struggle with things like eating disorders. This is probably one of the best things about life is to be able to, like Judy is talking about, find a way to grieve and honor the relationships we had and have with our moms and then be able to think, what do I want for myself? How can I take care of that younger Sherry that felt so unprotected and so violated? How do I bring that into the world and help others? That's my that's my thing. I think at work, when I'm sitting with clients, I wish there was a, a, and I think this method that you're talking about is actually wonderful. I wish there was almost like a cure or a magical spell or something that I could say to people who aren't in the spot that maybe we are in now. We've been alive for a long time, the three of us, but when you're younger, when you're in your twenties and thirties, when you're a newer mom and you're trying to grapple with what is this relationship I have with my kid and how is it related to my relationship 
with my own mom, the pain and the agony, sometimes we move into shame and anger because we don't want to sit with the grief. We don't want to be sad. We don't want to know the truth. Well, and small traumas then grow into really large ones. And if they're left unattended and unaccounted for and unanswered, that's when you run into trouble. And we don't want to really face that suffering is part of life. You know, that's such a sobering statement, right? And this is a moment of suffering. I told you why I love the word moment because it's a moment of suffering and moments pass and something terrible could happen in 15 minutes. But look, 10 minutes ago, we were having a great time on this show. Uh, When you said that, I love that. Um, I know over the weekend, the world was pretty shocked and, and saddened by Naomi Judd's loss. And I've been thinking about her daughters this week and I'm thinking, I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to listen to the show, but I feel like we need Judy to go to their house and talk to them about that. Because even in the beginnings of the worst of our suffering, there are moments that will come that will be about relief, peace, tranquility. And I think when you're in the height of going through a loss or a tr- trauma, what it feels like is there's no way I'm going to be able to get through this. Like I try to picture, and again, I didn't have a relationship with my mom. I don't, I haven't seen or talked to my mom in 23 years. Um, So I can't even relate to what they're feeling, but there is a piece of me that can, I don't know how. And I think, how are they, how, how do you get through that? How do you, how do you come to terms with that? Talk about feeling a feeling of abandonment, anger, blame, shame. I can't even imagine some of the things that they're thinking and feeling. So I, I think that this is really important that you, when you talk Judy about the moments, because the moments are not all about suffering. And I think, you know, one of the things I love about the show is uh, judge Aquilina and I, we talk about different things every week, but we talk so much about how to move into a place of acceptance, kindness, and self-compassion, even when we're not talking about moms. And I think it's the best gift you right. can give to yourself. And grieving. And yeah. life is unfair. Life is unfair. Some people really yeah. have worse, are born into worse situation than others. Let's all say a serious prayer that we're not living in Ukraine right now. Imagine that. I mean, is that like something unbelievable to think about when that broke? And I thought about what would it be like if a tank rolled down my street? And I was told, out. And there with one suitcase, I put five things in the suitcase and I'm getting on a train. I can't can't even imagine it. Many of them are moms. There there are so many moms who are carrying kids in diapers, who are having to say goodbye to their husbands, who are having to say goodbye to their parents because their parents are refusing to leave the country. I, you know, when I listen to stories and I've been, my focus with the war has been about stories of hope and empowerment. And I look at these moms and I think, I don't think I would have been able to do that. How is this mom? And a lot of them are really young. They're really young. How do you find the wherewithal, the bravery, the resilience? And you know what? Some of them may have found that through their relationships with their own moms. Maybe they internalize 
those wonderful things that they got from their moms. Maybe if they didn't get it from their moms, maybe they internalize that from their Judy Raviners or their therapists or their teachers or their, I don't know, but it's, it's unimaginable. I don't, but you know, you can internalize it from reading a book, just like we were talking about. We internalized Scarlett O'Hara. There were no women who were strong in the day that I grew up. The women were all at home being housewives. Right. Right. They were all at home being housewives. I heard what's her name? The secretary of state who just passed away. Oh, Madeline Albright. Madeline Albright. I, I, I had an eye surgery two weeks ago and I came home and I couldn't um, be on screens or read for 24 hours. So I listened to her funeral and she said when she graduated from Wellesley in, I don't know, like 1949 or I don't know what year, um, the person who spoke said, I want you girls to go out, find a great husband and raise great children. That's what women were supposed to do. Find a husband who would support them and help them raise great children. And she became the first woman secretary of state. It was so powerful the way this was described at her funeral. But anyway, so the point is this, that we all have models. We have this Amanda, whatever her name is, Amanda from um, the Biden funeral, the singer. What's her last name? Well, this wonderful girl, we might not remember her name, but this 20-year-old girl who sang for President Biden, right? And we had Scarlett O'Hara, who was a, a leader for my generation. So books are also pathways to healing. People can internalize a story. If she got better, I can get better. If she can stand on her own two feet and say, tomorrow's another day, I'm going to take a page out of her book. Absolutely. And you know what, I think that the importance of these conversations is to find someone, hopefully a therapist or a friend, someone you can talk to, to talk about your pain, because we all have the pain. But the first step is to acknowledge it's there and to actually verbalize it. I see a lot of healing in my courtroom that wouldn't happen otherwise, because they're telling me their pain, things they haven't told anyone. And I've physically can watch them grow taller. Yeah, that's amazing. Can you say more about that? That's interesting. I knew yeah, you were so, that, Judy. <laughs> well, well, yeah. So I have a lot of victims who come and they will empower other victims to come, or maybe they saw something, they saw something on Zoom or, or on YouTube or something I've done before. And so they will come in the same way and they'll write their statement and they all come in very sheepish and almost very small. And they stand and they say, can I read this? Or can I talk about this? I say, yes, what would you like me to know? And they start talking and they're very, and it's, it's a pattern. It's very mild. And as they read more and more, as they speak more and more, as I engage with them, um, they get more powerful in terms of their voice, their stance, they grow. And at the end, I always try to give them something to lead with that they matter that show me the magnificent things you're done go out and do your magnificent things you know you are brave you're you're a superhero not just for you for telling your story but for all the other people who don't have that strength and when they leave they they march i mean they march like they're you know like the cavalry and you see the pain drop you you literally see it and i feel it 
And it's so important to understand the backstory of people, where the pain's coming from, how you can help, and that you're open to listening. And so whether it's your mother that is having the pain or you're having the pain, um, the conversations, these conversations are important because speaking heals. It leads to healing. So the therapist in me, I'm looking at Judy and I see her eyes all full of water over there. Um, this is the, the connection that we have, um, you and I, the, the, the importance of finding words, being able to speak our story, whether it's in a courtroom with a therapist, with our best friend, the power of knowing and feeling. These are the keys to living a life that's about thriving. That's about compassion, self-compassion, connection. This is it right here. What I find that happens for people is they spend sometimes decades running from the words and the knowing and the speaking. So what when you were describing what you see in your courtroom, that's sort of what it's like for people when we, I think, Judy, I don't know if, if, if this makes sense to you, but I feel like that's what happens in our offices. Yes. As people yes. break their silence, share their story, right. tell their truth, they, they become more empowered, stronger, confident uh, individuals that can go out in the world and go for what they want versus just sit in the shame and the pain. I think it's interesting. See, when someone talks to you, it's in a closed area and they know that there's that privacy and that trust. In the courtroom, of course, it's public. Most hearings are public. But when they come to me, it's usually that I'm the first person who believed them, who's willing to listen, who asked the open question, what would you like me to know? And it's the power of the robe. And they tell me, you're the first person that listened. You're the first person who believed me. You are the first person who told me I mattered. And I always find that very um, sad. But people say to me, how can you listen to that? Don't you need some help yourself? And for me, it is such a gift to see that growth, that development, that change, that metamorphosis, mm -hmm. that I feel like I've been handed a new baby every single time I have someone tell me something that has weighed them down. And I will even say to defendants, you know, you have, I can see the rocks on your back. I know that you weren't born to do this crime. I know that you were born to do greatness. I know something has happened and I'm right. And they will with tears say, yes, how did you know? And I know because even the way they stand and they can't look and there's, there's so many signs. If we all take the time to look around us at the people we see every single day and say, what would you like me to know? How can I help? How are you doing? Uh, the world would be a much better place the end of the day, I feel like too, what you just described, when people will say things to you, like you're the first person that believed me. I'm not sure what both of you think, but I feel like one of the themes of the conversations that we're having and Judy, when you talked about your book and your mom constantly saying, you're fine, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. All we really ever wanted or needed was for our moms to say things like, I believe you. I love you no matter what, I hear you. And this is some of what I think we need to do as people who are trying to figure out how do I fill those voids? If my mom can't or wasn't able to give me that feeling of reassurance and, and um, validation, 
because that's all we really ever wanted. We, like Judy was saying, you just want your mom to say, I'm so sorry that I did that. I wished I knew then what hurt I caused you. It takes, it's a two second interaction that can make the difference for people in their relationship. And I think there's many of us that may never get that, but to be able to find that person who will say to us, I hear you, I love you, I want good things for you. That's what I would say to people. If you can't get that or didn't get that from your mom, or you did get that from your mom and your mom's not here anymore, go find people who can hear you. Take their take their their presence in. Find ways to internalize different people in your life who can fill those spaces. That I mean, really, honestly, that's, it seems so simple, but it's probably one of the most important things that we can learn as we look back on our relationships with our own parents. So Judy, I have a question for you. When you were in the hospital and you wanted your mom, mm -hmm. did you talk to her? Cause I have dead people in my life. We all do. <laughs> and I talk to them and I tell them I'm mad at them and exactly why. And I figure that someday when I'm I'm up there with them. I hope it's up, not down. Um, we're going to have a conversation, but I feel better. I, I feel like they're listening and that it's okay that I told them. Did you ever tell your mom? No, I didn't. But you know what I did? I started writing. I started writing this book. Now I had written a lot of these stories before, but I started putting it together. It just became my way of mourning, healing, um, thinking about how I had spent so much time telling my bad stories. And now here I was really missing her. You, yeah, very interesting. Isn't you, that interesting? I'm, I was wondering, because um, I have a friend who she wrote a book and she said she wasn't going to be able to write it until her dad wasn't here anymore. Do you, th do you think you could have written and published that book while your mom was still alive? No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Can you say, can you say why? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to hurt my, I mean, first of all, by the time the book was done, I wouldn't have wanted to hurt my mother. Yep. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to air every one of those stories in, in public, which I have, but she wasn't here. And because part of what is, was my own healing was that I saw all those bad mommy stories slightly differently as you got to the end of the book. I so I mean the, my mother. Uh, um, maybe this will be a spoiler for anybody who's planning on buying the book. But my mother wound up having an affair, which she told me about. And what I wound up realizing was good for her. She wasn't getting her needs met, and she got her. <laughs> no, Judy. Got her needs met, right? And that is what I figured out at the end of the book. Yeah. Was, she didn't have to tell me at the particular junction in my life that she did tell me because that was bad timing and bad judgment. But I have to say, I love that part of the book. One of the reasons, um, one of my other favorite movies is same time next year with Alan Alda. I love that movie too. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, sometimes you just have to do things that make you happy because it's your self-care and otherwise you just don't want to be here and it's exactly. okay whatever it is right it's totally and okay she just didn't need to tell me when she told me on right the, on the heels of my father's funeral exactly right yeah timing with the timing was bad timing but you know I, 
the other sentence that, you know, is throughout the book and what you've talked about is, you know, it'll be fine. She always said to you, it'll be fine. The interesting thing about that statement, um, I have a friend and we would go shopping together and she would like one day she needed glasses. She said, come sh shop with me. I said, okay. So she got some glasses and she tried them on and we tried several pairs and she said, well, these will be fine. I said, no, we are not buying. You keep saying in your life, this will be fine. And I said, we are not doing that. We are going to get you some glasses that you feel great wearing, that you say these are fantastic. Fine is going to be erased. It's going to be changed with fantastic. Right. I think the word I fine like needs to be erased and we need to do things that are fantastic, we not fine. Go to the top of the line. Right. Exactly. We need to go shopping with her. Because yeah. she'd be fun to go shopping with. <laughs> well, it, it puts us in first place. Fine puts us in last place. Right. Fine is right. Exactly. It's a, it stands for something at Renfrew. I don't know, Judy, if you remember, but you weren't allowed to say you were fine in groups. If you said you were fine in groups, you got called out on it. Oh, I never but, worked there. Yeah, but that's oh, make sense to me. Yeah. You can ask Judy Goldstein. I don't remember, but you weren't allowed. But I think, you know, what you're what you were saying too, like when you were talking about your mom and the affair and the timing, and then you you come to the realization, good for her. You know what I thought when you said that? Look at the growth in you. When right. We can exactly. really stand back as adults. And that's why I like being a grown-up. I, I would much prefer to be a grown-up because it's easier for us to make sense of things when we're growing up. So many of the things that we see and hear, they really don't make any sense. And then we have our own way of interpreting it through the lens of a little kid or a teenager, right. and it doesn't make exactly. any sense. So I think that, that, that it's so important that as adults that we really get to, we can have these conversations because it really does help us to come to a place of inner peace. I'm right. imagining as you wrote that book, because I know um, Rose and I have talked about this too. There's so much healing that each of us have experienced in writing our books. I think all three of us could say in some ways, I don't know if this would resonate with both of you, but when I sat down and I wrote my book, I literally felt like I was giving myself a hug most of the time that I was writing the book. That I was know. very nourishing, very uh, nourishing. Yeah. I don't think I would have been able to write it if I sat there in a place of judgment or critical anger. I think that the book would have not been the book. It wouldn't mm -hmm. have come out. I think you have to be able to constantly be looking at the part of yourselves that needs love and compassion to be able to speak and know and say things that may not be so kind. So I think we're giving the listen people out there listening a lot of ideas. Like, you know, if your mother was imperfect, Guess what? Join the club. Join the club with your imperfect mother. And how are you going to mother yourself? And how are you going to be kind to yourself? How are you going to nurture yourself? How are you going to find other people to fill in the gaps and to add to your life? You know, writing is another way that we nurture ourselves. All kinds of art, writing right? Yep. Singing. Yes. Very flowing, healing. Right. We talk about that too, that when you're not able to find the words, do something different, do something creative, do so, go take a yoga class, go hiking, spend time with your dog. These are all, these are all ways that we 
can nurture ourselves. It's not just about speaking. Sometimes it's about being and sitting in the feeling and being able to find ways to love ourselves through those difficult moments. And I think if you're missing your mother, if she's not here with you because she's passed or because she's too far away or for whatever reason, do something like Judy, you might have a roast beef sandwich. Um, you know, you can recreate her favorite meal, her dessert. You could go hiking if that was her thing. And, and you can be having You'll be having conversations with your mother. Well, your talking. mother's here. Yeah. Yes. Well, but my, my grandparents, who I think of as my parents, they're past. And I, I talk to them. And you know what? I make Maltese food and and I smell them in the kitchen and I can hear their voice. So for anybody who's missing that special person in their life on uh, Mother's Day or any day of the year, recreate right. something that you build uh, with you through your senses because it's so vivid and so real. And that right. being said, we're probably right at the end, but I want to yeah. remind everybody that if you have a mother wound or you don't even know if you have a mother wound, but you think you might, or you just want some great reading, great story, great insight uh, by the girl in the red boots, making peace with my mother by Judith Rusky Ravener, PhD. It is spectacular. You won't just read it once. You will read it again and again, and it will become your best friend. And I love Thank how you so much for having me on the show. This was so much fun to talk with you two wonderful people. I was going to say, as, as she was reading your book title, your eyes are all sparkly and shiny. And I think even just being able to be proud of each other as women and mm -hmm. empower each other, it's such a wonderful thing. Uh, and yeah. I can see that you are over there eating it up. And I think it's amazing. Can you tell people if they want to find you, how's the best way? Because you also wrote a, all these other books that people need to read. Where they can we... find me on the internet under <laughs> my name, Judith. <laughs> Where else are we? They can I, find me on the I internet. Heard, I heard yeah. you on one podcast where um, she said, what are your social media handles? And I think you didn't know what they meant by that. So that's why I'm laughing. That was, you know what, though, right. if you put uh, Rabiner, R-A-B-I-N-O-R in Google, right. Amazon and all her great books come up and yep. you know, you could buy the, the book. We were just talking about some homes don't even have bookshelves. Mine will always have bookshelves with books, but you know what? I have a whole, um, other library on my computer and iPad. So you can get the ebook. Oh, me too. Form. Me too. Yeah. yeah. And Audible. So there's so many forms and, and your books are there. And so they can find them like in what, two seconds? Two seconds. And we're going to put it in our feed too. But we'll put it. Yeah. We're going to, and we're going to have you back. Great. I can't wait. Looking forward. Oh, Judy. It was, it was so, so wonderful. To... Thank you for spending this time with us. Oh, it was wonderful. It was Thank really you. wonderful. Everybody have a good day. Thank until, you. Until the next Thank time. You. Great. Bye. Okay, Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Warrior Women Speak. It truly is an honor to be able to sit down with Judge Aquilina and have such meaningful conversations. Stay tuned. Each Monday, we will be releasing new episodes in the hopes that we will inspire, uplift, and instill hope. 
be sure to subscribe now to at Warrior Women Speak. Until next time.